0: Hi there, this is the final letter in my series of five letters to my mum, Doris, a lonely, gentle soul with a good sense of humour and who was one of the great shell collectors in New Zealand and who died in 1992 and who, in truth, I didn't think all that much about since, not out of callousness, just because of life and its petty distractions. But I woke up in the middle of the night a while ago and I thought very hard and with much grief about her, And I got up and I wrote these letters at speed. They conclude with a kind of tour of the leftovers of her life, the clutter of keepsakes and objects, which we all take from our parents, and we all value like gold, because they hold the power of memory. Dear Mum, well, I've been writing to you every day this week, which is a lot more than I did when you were alive. The occasional dutiful letter, perhaps a pretty postcard now and then when I move to the exotic hot spots of Palmerston North and Greymouth. Here's a photo of the river. Well, must go. And you writing back in a small hand, the faint blue sloping ink on lined Croxley stationery. Always a card on my birthday or at Christmas very often enclosing a wrapped and folded handkerchief. Mum, I never use them to be honest. I never even unwrap them. They're still among my stuff somewhere, still in their smooth plastic sleeves. I see them now and again when I take a deep breath and delve into my boxes of letters, cards, school reports, and the rest of that papery debris of lost youth. I hate my past. I hate the way it's written down. But I love seeing the handkerchiefs. They're always brown, strong patterns and checks. All the brown check handkerchiefs. Mothers writing to their children. There's a genre. You writing in your armchair in summer with the sliding doors open. In winter in front of the shacklock Conray heater. And here I'm picturing you in the unit that you bought after you sold the house. A big move all the way from Valley Road to around the corner and Ranch Road. I guess you only lived in three places, childhood to marriage to old age, Morrinsville to Mount Maunganui, a North Island life. I only knew the Mount Maunganui part, the family home on Valley Road with the enormous Norfolk pine in the front garden rising like some sort of exclamation mark and the goldfish pond and the water pump and the Whijoa tree up against the picket fence and the letterbox, where we once stuffed a cat inside and hid behind the Whijoa tree and watched as the mailman opened up the letterbox and the cat jumped out at him. I think he was in on the joke. I'm pretty sure it wasn't intended as a cruelty. Everyone liked the mailman, possibly even Dad, who ran off with the mailman's wife. I suppose it was scandalous, but what it felt like, after he left, was shame. It didn't happen to other families, not in that small town, not back then. I didn't miss him. I didn't care that he'd gone. He was bad news. He was Austrian. You couldn't trust someone like that. And so when he left, it wasn't like, oh dear, how sad. It was the shame of it. I was just a kid. I didn't know nothing about anything, and I don't think it affected me all that much. You had the worst of it, Mum. You stored the knowledge of it. And God Almighty, I know I shouldn't keep harping on about it. Broken families are a part of life. It happens all the time. You get over it. You do the thing that everyone tells you to, like an order, like a paramount instruction for living in New Zealand. You move on. We moved on. It wasn't like it was a big deal. It's just that you make an accommodation with shame. You have a reckoning with loneliness. You enter into a pact with these things and you don't make a song or dance about it. Lives of quiet desperation sort of thing. The setting is important. You can't let things go. I've been to houses where all is lost. The occupant had given up. Dark, cluttered, crazy houses. Houses with a plague upon it, a plague of shame or loneliness or some additional physical complication. Gothic houses, New Zealand Gothic, with bits of tractor machinery brought into the house and left to rust in the lounge. Bottles of jiff long since dried up as hard as cement beneath a kitchen sink, which no longer resembled a kitchen sink. We weren't like that. We kept appearances. The lawn got mowed and you planted flowers and baked scones and all the rest of it, and you were thoughtful. You always bought me a handkerchief for my birthday and brown cheque. You'd have walked around the corner of the post office and got the stamp. That was one of the good things about moving to the unit on Ranch Road. It was closer to the shops. It was a nice setup, actually. The sliding doors, a little porch out the front, a flower garden with lots of colours washing line and shed out the back. Two bedrooms. Mark and I stayed there for the funeral. He was with you when you died. It's a funny thing. He'd really just got off the plane. He'd been living overseas, travelling or something. Welcome home. I took the spare room and he took the couch. There wasn't any question of sleeping in your bedroom. It was bad enough looking in and seeing the small bed and the small chair beside the small bed the empty room I took that chair I took that shacklock Conray too they are my inheritance $5,000 which I stuck in bonus bonds and one day it'll win me a pile of money in the monthly drawer one day, what do you think do you have any inside knowledge on it where you are I just like having the money there I like to surround myself with small obscure signs of who you were Guess what these letters are, aren't they? I love you, Mum, and I'll try to write again sometime.